For four years on the Life Amplified podcast, we've delivered episodes about prospering in your life's purpose and overcoming the mindset obstacles that get in the way of you doing that. So why then am I going to spend 30 minutes talking about a new Beatles documentary on Disney Plus this week? Well, because as I learned while watching the eight-hour series Get Back, despite being arguably the most important rock band of all time, the Beatles were also human beings with a lot of the same problems that you and I face. They struggled with their own insecurities and feelings of not being respected. They struggled to maintain their own individual voice while also belonging to a greater group. They struggled with the pressures of enormous success and ultimately they couldn't maintain it. The rise and fall of the Beatles happened in just about six years. But along their journey, there are six important life lessons that apply to anybody who wants to create amplified success and fulfillment. So whether you're joining me today as somebody who is at the top of your game, you've climbed the top of the ladder and you're wondering, where the hell do I go from here? Or you're somebody who's struggling. You know that there's a bigger gift within you that you haven't shared with the world, but insecurity and doubt has kept you playing small. There are lessons from the Beatles that will help you create your next level of greatness in 2022. I'm honored to share them with you this week. Welcome back. What is an amplified life? It's having amplified relationships with people who support and encourage you to be your best. It's having amplified energy to conquer the challenges of the day. And it's having an amplified career, one that's meaningful to you, the world, and your bank account. I'm Dan Mason, Life Reinvention Coach, helping you discover your calling and create an amplified life on your terms. This is the Life Amplified Podcast. So I went deep down the Beatles rabbit hole last weekend on Disney Plus and watched all eight hours of the Get Back documentary, which, uh, look, I'm not a paid endorser in Disney and giving me a dime to talk about their products. They don't need me to. But I will say the Get Back documentary is one of the best pieces of content I have ever consumed. And I'm not somebody who is necessarily like a historian on the Beatles. Uh, I really watch this documentary from a coaching perspective because, as Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. We can learn a lot by watching people who have achieved enormous success and being able to replicate some of those practices in our life. However, there's also a cautionary tale in learning from people who couldn't maintain the success, at least not in its original form. I mean, all four of the uh, of the Beatles went on to have great individual success, but their time together as a group was really a brief period of time. You know, it was it's hard to believe that for the huge catalog of hits and all the movies, it was really six years from the time Beatlemania hit until they dissolved in 1970. And there's also lessons to learn from that as well. So what I thought I would do today is share the six notes that I jotted down uh, after watching this series from beginning to end. Because, you know, as we look at each of the four Beatles, they represent a different archetype of the clients who come into my practice, who are looking to create their next level. 
And we'll break these down one by one for you. I want to start with John Lennon. And the archetype here is the person who believes it's lonely at the top. And, you know, it's an interesting journey when we meet John here in the Get Back documentary because the Beatles at its inception were his band. You know, they started out as the Quarrymen. He was the leader. He was really the primary creative force behind everything that happened. And, of course, they became the biggest rock and roll band in the world. And it's almost the more like that, that they climbed the ladder and the more successful they became, the more isolated John became. And what you start to discover is that what the band turned into at their peak was almost antithetical to why he started doing music in the first place. They weren't just a band. They were a brand. They were creating movies and, you know, spending a lot of time on film sets. And then they became public figures. So a lot of the things that John would say in the media were put under a microscope. Uh, there's a legendary comment that he made at one point that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. And while that comment didn't really grab headlines in the UK, it caused a firestorm in the United States where people were burning their records and they were protesting to the point where the Beatles actually quit touring. They just became a studio band and kept making movies. And what you start to see is that wasn't what John signed up for, <laughs> was you know, to be this uh, celebrity. He didn't sign up to be a movie star. He's just a guy that liked playing music with his friends and liked playing in front of audiences. So the very thing that drew him toward this life path in the first place had kind of been taken away. Also, along the way, what you started to see is that there was a tremendous personal cost to the success. Uh, it's almost like a rock and roll cliche, the person who's on the road all the time, and then he realizes his relationship is starting to disintegrate. It cost him his first marriage. And even though he was rapidly starting to isolate, and this is where I think his drug addiction really came into play, one of the things that you'll notice when you watch the Get Back documentary is Lennon is definitely high through the whole film. You know, I'm, I'm sure that every rock band was doing enormous amounts of pot, but John had also picked up a serious heroin habit around this time and just was not functioning well. You could see that he was numbing out from a lot of the pain that he felt and the other sort of subtle energy that you notice in this movie that I think is relatable for other people is when you know the career path that you're on is no longer aligned with your highest level of expression or the person that you want to be, but you feel trapped that you have to stay on that path because you don't want to ruin things for the other for the others around you. You know, John was not a solo artist at this point. He was with his three childhood friends. They had achieved enormous success together. So for him to walk away from the group isn't just affecting him, it's affecting everyone else. And that sense of obligation can become very heavy. And as I share this, reflect in your life, where are you staying on a path that isn't true for you because you feel obligated to do it for other people.
a lot of clients come to me who are trapped in a loveless marriage that they've outgrown, but they believe that they're holding it together for the kids. There's a lot of times people will stay in that proverbial soul-sucking corporate job because they believe, well, God, I'm going to hurt my family if I walk away from this, if I give up the sure thing of the income. You know, it's a question I was asked earlier this year when I was interviewed on the Tamron Hall show, and I don't think this made it to the final video package, but they asked me, uh, had I had stayed in my marriage many years ago, would I have reinvented my life? Would I have given up my radio career and pursued my life's purpose? And I'm not proud to say this, but I'm sure at that time, the answer would be no. You know, every time that I spoke up about a desire to walk a different path, my ex-wife at the time would say, well, look, we have a lifestyle to maintain. And what she really meant is it was my lifestyle, that, that, that it was our lifestyle for me to maintain for the family because she didn't work. So I think that there's a lot of times that that feeling, you know, it, it becomes this feeling of obligation rather than a passion in our life. We start just getting ruled by a sense of duty and obligation rather than following our authentic passions. And it clearly in this documentary was taking a gigantic toll on John. He was rolling in late to rehearsals. He would just disappear. He was not really engaged uh, when you see them on the set. You know, uh, originally when this documentary begins, they're planning a live TV special and he just didn't want any of that anymore. It was almost like there was this subconscious belief system that more success would lead to more scrutiny and more success would also have to lead to a collapse on himself. You know, he was becoming to get uh, very politically aware. He wanted to focus his energy on uh, political causes he believed in, especially once he met Yoko Ono and, and the music and the fame became the secondary thing. So as we talk about key takeaway number one here, uh, it's really more like a 1A and 1B. Success should never come at a price right? You shouldn't have to give up who you are. Now, are there certain sacrifices that we have to make? Yes. Or is there a certain amount of work that gets put in to building a new dream or a vision for your life? Of course, but that should never come at your own personal happiness, your success, your family. And also this idea that a lot of people think they only need support as they're climbing the ladder to success. And then when they get to the top that they isolate, I would argue that you need support even more once you reach the top of the ladder. Because what good is it, you know, building a dream if you can't maintain it or you feel no ability to pivot or to change in your life? So, you know, think about that in your life right now. Where could your life benefit from having some support? And where are you isolating and just keeping things going as they are because you're afraid to rock the boat or you're afraid to shake things up? And if any of this is resonating for you, I would love for you to screenshot this podcast, upload it to Instagram, tag me in your stories. You can slide into my DMs, by the way, at CSC Dan Mason on Instagram. I'd love to know, does this resonate for you? Now, we talked here about John Lennon and the archetype of the person who feels lonely at the top. Let's move over and talk about George Harrison, 
who really is one of the most fascinating figures in the documentary because there's all these perceptions that I believed that have just sort of been passed down historically that the Beatles broke up because of Yoko Ono, that she got in the way, which when you watch this documentary is not true. I mean, she is there knitting and reading during the recording sessions, but she isn't really a problem within the context of the group. And there's also this belief that John and Paul hated each other, when in fact the real tension in the group in this documentary is between Paul and George. And the archetype that we're going to look at here with George is the person who just doesn't feel seen or valued. Uh, and think about this from a historical context. When the Beatles first got together, George was the baby of the group. He was 13 years old. He was not writing songs. He could barely play the guitar. He was just a guitarist. And, you know, he was just this secondary member of the group. And, you know, he was surrounded by his older brothers. There's a story that it, thankfully is not documented in the movie because we wouldn't want to watch that footage. Or maybe you do. I don't know. But there's a historical story that, that George was the last in the group to lose his virginity. And all the other Beatles were in the room when it happened. So when he finished, he got this big round of cheers and standing ovation for the other people in the group. And when you think about that, you know, a, a lot of times in the circles that we run in, and this can happen within corporations and companies, but this can also happen within a family, is that people don't see us always as the person we are now or as the person that we're becoming. They see us through this mental filter of who we used to be. And, and, and George, over the course of this documentary, is trying so hard to fit in, to get a seat at the table, to have people recognize that he was a very gifted songwriter. In fact, when you look at you know the, the Beatles catalog, songs like Here Comes the Sun, Something in the Way She Moves, those were actually George Harrison compositions. But no matter how much his work evolved, they never took him seriously. Uh, Paul and John just always looked at him as baby George and that he just wasn't at their level. And there's a scene in the movie where George is playing on his guitar and sharing his song, All Things Must Pass. And he wants so much to get everybody to give him an attaboy. And they're just dismissive. They ignore it. And he's so proud of the work and he can't get anybody's attention. So what ends up happening in episode one is George ends up on a break just walking away and quitting the band. By the way, this is a huge uh, attachment-related pattern that shows up for people. We've talked a lot about attachment theory and how it affects our relationships. You know, people with anxious attachment often believe the only way that they can be seen or heard or experienced in the world is if they have an over-the-top emotional meltdown. Uh, which is not what George does here. He leaves very quietly and just tells everybody, hey, I'll see you around at the clubs, and literally quits and walks out and just disappears for several days. Now, the avoidant attachment approach to this is to isolate and withdraw and to pull away from the people around you because what they're really hoping for is that somebody will come chase after them to make them feel loved. So these are patterns that we can establish very early in life, but it will play out in our career. So start to 
think about the relationships in your life that might not be on fire or where you're not getting your needs met. How do you get people to show up for you? Do you just have to have like a huge hysterical fit or are you the person who slinks away and just withdraws from everybody and waits for them to come to you? Uh, and you see this pattern play out here in the movies. And as toxic had things had become within the Beatles, what's interesting is for their arguments, there aren't any big emotional outbursts. It's very subtle and passive aggressive the way that they uh, relate to each other and, and the way that they deal with the conflict within the group. Now, eventually, as always plays out when there is an avoidant attachment pattern, the Beatles eventually did have to go to George's house for several meetings. They came to an understanding. They scrapped the television special that they were going to work on, and they went back into the recording studio to finish this last album. But the interesting footnote here on George's journey is that as much as he didn't feel respected, as much as he had written like this catalog of songs that he wanted to include on a Beatles record that John and Paul did not see value in, all those songs eventually became George's solo album. Right after the breakup of the Beatles in 1970, he put out a double album called All Things Must Pass, which interestingly enough, you know, from a songwriting perspective, from an artist perspective, was probably the best of the initial Beatles solo records. It was better than John Lennon's debut solo album. It was better than some of the early McCartney stuff, although he did, you know, Paul found his way with the group Wings much later on. But isn't that the irony that George had to actually separate from what was known and familiar to achieve his highest level of artistic expression. So as we talk about some of these key points, uh, there are three within the lesson of George Harrison that I think are so important for you. Uh, number two, you've got to be able to strike out on your own. It is not anybody else's responsibility to bring your vision to life or to appreciate your vision more than you do. So George had to go become his own man and stop operating as the baby of the group before he could really achieve the level of personal success that he wanted. Number two, uh, you can't let other people determine the value of your work. In fact, if everybody is in total agreement that your vision is amazing, you're probably not really risk-taking. <laughs> If you don't have a couple people telling you that you're dreaming too big, you might actually be playing small. And I will tell you, and I think that this is one of the most important points that we're going to discuss today, is that you level up your game based on the quality of the people that you're surrounding yourself with. George Harrison did not start out as a very good songwriter. But by being in the genius of Paul McCartney and John Lennon and watching these guys hone their craft, he began to develop new skills and new insights and was able to take what he learned and apply it to his own work. So one of the things that we talk about all the time is like, how, do you, how far are you going to go in 2022 and beyond? 
you need to look at who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with. You know, there's a lot of people who say that they want to leave that soul-sucking job and start their own business. We've seen that during the Great Resignation, but they're still surrounding themselves with a group of people that say, no, no, I just got to have this nine to five J-O-B every day. You know, there's a lot of people that want to commit to a life of sobriety, or maybe they want to make more healthful changes, but they're still running around with their social group from 10 years ago who are shutting it down at the bar and partying way too hard. So start to assess, you know, the people that I surround myself with, are they going to help me elevate my game or are they just like a cinder block hanging from my ankle that are pulling me down, you know, that that are keeping me drowning from the life that I want to create? And I also want you to consider where in your life do you feel disrespected? Do you feel that people don't fully see their value? I saw this happen all the time in my corporate media career, that we would have really talented young people who were, you know, started out as an intern or at an entry-level job, and they climbed the ladder, and they could get up to a middle position within the company, but when it came time to really elevate into a better position, they kept hitting that glass ceiling. Because people in the company, particularly the decision makers, only saw them as the young kid who started out as the intern. They didn't see them as somebody that could really be a leader to move the company forward. And in those positions, almost every instance, the person had to leave the job that they were in. They had to go away to another, uh, another company, another city to go get to that next level. And then in many instances, they were able to come home to the company once they had those stripes, you know, uh, to become a VP or a program director or a general manager or whatever it was they were working toward. Then they could come back home and do the thing that they loved in the first place. So sometimes you have to take that detour. And again, this is that idea, you gotta strike out on your own and stop waiting for other people to find your to find value in you or your skill set. I think that this is a fascinating conversation to have as we talk about spending the holidays with your family. This is a very triggering time. Why do so many people get frustrated going home to spend Christmas with loved ones? Because a lot of times the family is still relating to you as if you were that age back in the day when you were powerless and they made all the decisions for you, that you couldn't individuate from the family. And a lot of times we show up going to visit our family at the holidays from that place of powerlessness. And you see that dynamic play out here with George within the context of the Beatles. But my guess is there are elements of this that apply to you. So where is it on you to really uh, step into your power, to set a boundary, uh, to say, no, this this is who I am. This is what I'm doing now. And hey, I would love to do it with you guys, or I can go out here and do it on my own. Again, would love to get your insights. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at CSC Dan Mason. The Life Amplified podcast is brought to you this week by the Move From Your Purpose digital course. According to research, 40% of workers are considering a career change in the coming year, but when you think about your next chapter, you're probably flooded with questions like, do I even have a purpose? 
Can I really do the work I love without running out of money? And will following my dreams hurt the people around me? The truth is, without the right mentorship and training, we can easily become so overwhelmed by the questions that we never actually take inspired action to find the answers. And that is why I've created a new online course to help you enter 2022 with unprecedented clarity and confidence about your purpose and your next right action steps. The Move From Your Purpose digital course is 50% off right now if you go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. In module one, you're going to learn to identify the childhood survival programming that's keeping you stuck and playing small. In module number two, I'm going to help you identify your divine purpose, including giving you a personalized purpose statement that is your North Star to take with you moving forward. Module number three, you'll learn about where you've been giving your power away and how you can take it back so you stay consistently aligned. Plus, I'm going to teach you how to set purpose-driven goals and how to create a purposeful and profitable second act. You can try the course three days with a risk-free guarantee. If you're not feeling the content, if you're not having breakthroughs, you can just send your completed homework in and get a full refund. There is literally no risk for you. The Move From Your Purpose digital course. Get it right now until December 31st for 50% off. Go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. Now, the third archetype that we're going to talk about uh, the third and final archetype is what's going on with Paul McCartney here in the Get Back documentary. And boy, this one's going to apply to all my control freaks out there. Because an interesting thing started to happen is John Lennon lost interest and was no, no longer actively engaged in the day-to-day -day of the Beatles empire. What happened was Paul McCartney started to take a bigger hand in the vision of the band, not just in the songwriting, but also in the musical arrangements and also within the business ventures. Remember, the Beatles also set up their own company, uh, you know, Apple Holdings, that were all about music and film. And they were sort of the pioneers back before there was an MTV about having the right visuals to go with every new album release. But that was really more of Paul's vision and he could see the band starting to fall apart. He could see that he was losing his friendship with John. He, could, he was losing that writing partnership. So he started really trying to control the situation and controlling everyone and everything around him. There are so many scenes where he's trying to specifically tell Ringo how to play a, a, a drum beat or a sequence that he's arguing with George on how he wants George to play the guitar. And he's trying so hard to micromanage every detail to keep the empire of the Beatles afloat that what ends up happening is, is he's ultimately out of control. <laughs> and the more he's trying to control the other band members, the more tension that it creates. You know, where are you doing this in your life? Are you somebody who is trying so hard to control your partner in a relationship. And it's just, you know, you're trying to tell them what they should do, what they should say, how they should act, what they should believe that it's causing tension. You probably have experienced this if you're a parent with your kids. The more you try to control them, it's almost like the more frustrated that you become. 
And the master lesson here is to stay in your lane. The only thing that you really have control over is yourself and how you're showing up. And there's a fascinating scene here in the Get Back documentary where there's all these conversations going on and people are trying to get a TV special getting put to work and people are like wondering where the hell John is. Why hasn't he shown up for rehearsal? And George is pouting and he's not happy. And, and amidst all this chaos happening externally, Paul McCartney just retreats to himself and he sits at a piano. And what you actually witness as a viewer are the beginnings of him writing Let It Be. You hear, you know, those opening piano chords and you hear him starting to put together the lyrics to create like this, you know, top 10 most famous Beatles song, uh, maybe one of the 10 most famous songs of all time. And as Paul was able to let go and stop trying to micromanage uh, all the external world around him, his own genius was able to emerge and he was able to make his great artistic contribution to the world. And trying to control other people is a huge pattern that gets in the way of us living in our own zone of genius and us sharing our gifts with the world. You know, we can't ever go within and start to wonder, hey, what wants to emerge through me when you're trying to manage how everybody else in your life shows up? Plus, it's just a poor life strategy to try to control other people. And I'm not saying that I'm Jesus Christ over here and there aren't places in my life where I haven't fallen into this pattern in my life and in my business, but it's always a recipe for pain. <laughs> you know, the formula to experience pain in your life in 2022 is to keep focusing on all the things that aren't in your sphere of influence and make it really big. And meanwhile, the formula for inner peace and for fulfillment is to focus what is in your control and make that really, really big. So very quickly, before we get into the sixth point here, I want to recap some of the key takeaways, personal growth-wise, from the Beatles Get Back documentary as we learn through the journey of John Lennon. Success doesn't have to come at a cost to you, and actually your highest levels of success should require higher levels of support around you. Three key lessons from the journey of George Harrison, right? Striking out on your own is necessary for self-expression. Point number three, other people cannot validate your vision or your work for you. And number four, genius grows through osmosis. Who you hang out with is who you'll become. As we talk about Paul McCartney, point number five here, you got to stay in your lane and control what is in your sphere of influence, which is yourself, your own discipline, the work that you put in, and the dedication to your goals and taking action toward that. And that will bring me to the final point that I wanted to share here as we talk about the Get Back documentary. What became very evident, and you hear multiple times throughout the documentary, Paul McCartney talks about this, is the band itself lost mentorship. And when they lost their mentor is when they lost their way. You know, their longtime manager was a gentleman by the name of Brian Epstein. He was a record store owner in Liverpool who took an interest in, in the Beatles when they were teenagers playing music. 
So he was also the behind the scenes brains and mentor. He could create accountability for the group. He would tell them what time to show up, where they needed to be. He could maintain a schedule and they had to answer to him, right? Of course, they had to answer to each other in the group, but there was somebody to hold them accountable. There was somebody who could be a mentor and provide more structure into their lives. And Brian Epstein tragically and unexpectedly passed away. And in the aftermath of that, the Beatles put out a press release saying that they were going to manage themselves. And that's when the wheels really started to come off the, uh, off the truck and things began to fall apart. And what we see, particularly with creatives, you know, when you look at most successful organizations and companies, you have a visionary, you have the person who is the creative force, but you also have an implementer who's the person who's great at structure, admin, creating deadlines, holding people accountable. Now, for instance, Facebook, their setup there would be Mark Zuckerberg is just sort of like the weirdo creator, but he has Sheryl Sandberg, who is the implementer. Uh, if we look at the early days of Apple, Steve Jobs, without question, was the visionary, but he also had Steve Wozniak, who was the implementer. And what you could see here within the Beatles is they didn't really have that implementer. Paul was trying to become that, but he was also torn with, you know, his own artistic expression. And then all of a sudden, you know, that final album, Let It Be, essentially was like a Paul Solo record. <laughs> you know, that was, that was mostly his work because the other guys, uh, the other guys were less involved. But you wonder what would have happened. What new art could have been created together as a group had the Beatles had that mentorship in their life? And anytime you're trying to go it alone, uh, usually ends up being a poor strategy. So another great reflection question for you as you step into 22 is where have I been resistant to allowing some outside accountability and support? You know, this is why, you know, coaching is such a powerful modality and I invest in coaches. One of, you know, the big breakthroughs for me in my business this year that I talked about with you guys way back in January and I had been talking about for some time was building a television brand for myself and becoming an expert guest on media outlets uh, and not just local television, but national. But it wasn't until I invested in having some PR coaches that could help give me the structure and accountability and the knowledge on how to build that. Once I made that investment this year, you know, I did well over 40 television appearances this year, <laughs> including some of the, the, the biggest nationally syndicated talk shows uh, in the United States. And this isn't a, a Dan So Awesome brag. This is simply talking about having that support behind you to reach your goals becomes everything. And if you've been trying to do it alone, if you feel like you keep running into the same brick wall, if another year has gone by and you're no closer to exiting that soul-sucking career, or maybe you're a John Lennon that you've created the career, but it's come at a huge personal cost to you, so the success doesn't even feel good anymore, maybe it's time to allow in some mentorship. 
I'd love to be able to work with you on that. And now is the best time to get signed up for coaching is, you know, my rates and my investment levels and my coaching programs will be going up on January 1st. So hit me up on my website, click that link to fill out an application. Let's set up a complimentary discovery call. You know, I've been so privileged this year to watch my clients uh, literally as much as quadruple their income. I've had people get off the nine to five treadmill. They've built their own businesses. We've had two engagements in my community this year from clients who, you know, actually found love and found that personal life balance to go with the career success. So whatever it is you're working toward, you know, the principles of, of creating it and making it real in the world are the same. And I would love to help you replicate that in your life. CreativeSoulCoaching.net is where you go for the info. Uh, make sure you reach out. And if you love this podcast this week, if you could do me a favor and just share it with your friends, you can screenshot this, you can upload it to Instagram or Twitter. Be sure to tag me at CSC Dan Mason. And for those of you on Apple, you can leave those five-star ratings and reviews as well. I love you so much for listening, my friend. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you again next week. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity. Turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified.